was a kid growing up in Jersey, uh, anybody who was a hoot or really funny or something, uh, we'd call him a riot. Ladies and gents, uh, this guy's a riot in more ways than one. Bob Dylan. The show that celebrates the work of Bob Dylan, one song at a time. Proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm your host, the freewheeling Rob Kelly. And our friend Stephen Geyer is back. Hello, Stephen. Hello, Rob. Thank you for having me back. It's a pleasure to be here again. Thank you. Uh, you suggested this song, and it's uh, all too appropriate, which is Brownsville Girl. That's right. Uh, Bob Dylan's epic. I don't even know if that's even the big enough word for right. what this song is, because that's only four letters epic song on his 1986 album knocked out loaded which i still I, that's a whole other subject about knocked out loaded i, I still right. kind of like that album even though i know it's a mess but the, the reason you want to talk about it is because just a couple of weeks ago of course sam shepherd passed away at age 73 the, the renowned playwright and actor and director and he was friends with bob dylan going going back into the 70s when he right. basically toured with bob as part of the rolling thunder review and he wrote mm-hmm. the rolling thunder log book i believe is the name of it which is that's right official document of the tour this song brownsville girl is the only song that they ever wrote together now on mm-hmm. bobdylan.com it doesn't list uh, Guy, it doesn't. I'm about to say it doesn't list Stephen Guy. That would be amazing if you were listening. <laughs> That'd be something, yeah. Yeah, uh, it doesn't list Sam Shepard uh, as a co-author, but in, that's in, correct. Yeah, in any other respect, I've seen him listed as co-author. So I guess we'll never really know. Uh, for those of you who aren't familiar with this song, it is a 21 verse. <laughs> it's not short. Yeah, it is not short. Uh, it is an amazing song that seems to deal with. Uh, the singer, the singer becoming a character within the song. Yeah, it, oh, there's it, so much to this song. It it's jumps just, around everywhere, and then and then four references to Gregory Peck in there too, which right. I'm sure we'll talk about. Just for for good measure. So, when did you first come across this song? Oh gosh, a couple years ago. Uh, I guess when I first started sort of di- doing a deeper dive into the '80s stuff, which you know has its ups and downs, as we've talked about in a previous podcast, but. Uh, I sort of came across this one. Yeah, listened to Not Outloaded. I, uh, I know I'm in the minority here. I think the second, the B side of Not Outloaded is actually pretty good stuff. I'm not going to, you know, sit in here, uh, sit with this, with uh, chat with you, and say, "Gosh, Not Outloaded is a great album." I don't think very highly of the first, uh, the first side, but uh, the the. I guess with the seventh, eighth, and ninth uh, tracks. Uh, I'm sorry, the sixth, seventh, and eighth tracks. Brownsville Girl got my mind made up and under your spell. I, I think like they're good all songs. Those songs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, now, obviously, there's only three songs on the B side because Brownsville Girl is 11 minutes long, and so there's not much room for for anything else. Um, but yeah, it's sort of you know sandwiched in between the the, the post infidels, pre Oh Mercy, you know, uh, odd 80s phase. But I mean, just like we've talked about before it's not that he was uh, making bad music in the 80s he was making some good music it was just uh, sort of uh, 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 i don't know tamped down or or nestled in a bunch of other stuff that wasn't his his best and and some of his best stuff wasn't even on the album it was uh, you know packaged away in a vault and saved for uh, saved for a re-release uh, later on uh, down the road yeah, I mean, I, I agree that there's a lot of good stuff here. I think it was either buried under, you know, kind of bad production, and I've, we've already talked about another show mm-hmm. about my, my uh, 
my new love for uh, Arthur Baker, who produced right. her. But, like, but, but I mean, to be fair to Arthur Baker, who is still around, I actually gave an interview not that long ago, talking right. sort of having to quote unquote apologize for working on Empire Bliss. I mean, <laughs> Dylan hired him. I mean, right. the, the you know the, the you have to really essentially blame Dylan, not Arthur mm-hmm. Baker, because Bob Dylan, if the, he doesn't want Arthur Baker to add whomping synth drums to his songs, he does it. It's not going to happen. So really, he, could, he could have said no. Sure, he could yeah. have said no. Yeah. Uh, now this song originally was recorded for Empire Burlesque, the previous album, under the name New Danville Girl, which is a reference to the Woody Guthrie song Danville Girl. Right. Uh, that original version is on YouTube. You can hear it. Uh, a lot of people, uh, maybe not a lot, but I've heard people say that they like that original version better. The, the lyrically, it's very different. I to me, that's a, it's that version is a is a is a rehearsal. It's it's not right. a full it's, song, really. Right, it's very stripped down. And, and given that you know he clearly was going for, uh, I guess he and Sam Shepard were going for some big you know epic western drama, like almost like a short film here. The uh, I think the knocked out loaded version with its with its uh, horns, with its backup singers. Uh, really a full sound, like almost like a wall of sound fill specter type of thing is really yes. the, the preferable version to me. Um, I can see some purists who, who, who like just the, the, the guitar and the bass and the drums uh, to, to want to, uh, to recommend a new Danville girl over this. And, and that's respectable, I guess, but I think it really is sort of like the full package uh, with the, with the Brownsville girl on, on knocked out loaded. Yeah, in several interviews that I read about with Sam Shepard, where he's talking about the song, he he credits Dylan for being like almost like a film director, and that he's able to mm-hmm. set images in your head very quickly. And let's let's get to some of that because I mean we can't we I mean literally if I started reading the whole song, this would be like a right, half hour right. show just by itself. <laughs> It'll be the longest pod Dylan ever. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, All right. but uh, but it starts off with well, there was this movie I seen one time about a man riding across the desert, and it starred Gregory Peck. He was shot down by a hungry kid trying to make a name for himself. The townspeople wanted to crush that kid down and string him up by the neck. Well, the marshal, now he beat that kid to a bloody pulp. As the Diagon fighter lay in the sun and gasped for his last breath, turned him loose, let him go, let him say he outdrew me fair and square. I want him to feel like to wake to, wherever it's, to every moment faces death. And then Bob then pops out of this, this character right. that he's talking about. He says, well, I keep seeing this stuff, and it just comes a-rolling in. And you know what blows right through me like a ball and chain? You know, I can't believe we live so, so long and it's still so far apart. The memory of you keeps calling out to me like a rolling train. I can still see the day that you came to me on the painted desert in your busted-down Ford and your platform heels. I never could, I could never figure out why you chose that particular place to meet. Ah, but you were right. It was perfect as I got in behind the wheel. I mean, just those four verses right there, it is huge how much stuff he's uh-huh. describing. Now, <laughs> right. all, you talk about Gregory Peck. The film he's mm-hmm. specifically talking about is The Gunfighter. Gunfighter, which right. Is the plot of that came out in 1950, which means uh, Bob Dylan would have been potentially nine years old. When wow. I saw it, uh, which is, you know, you could completely picture that. He's a big I, fan I, of Gregory Peck, as has been right. established. So mm-hmm. I, I, I and Westerns, idea, yeah. And Westerns. So I love the idea of little chubby-faced nine-year-old Bob Dylan sitting sure. in a the theater and seeing this movie and have it just, just bore into his brain. Yeah, and I have not seen The Gunfighter now. I don't know if you have. It's not on Netflix. I've tried. It's not in either. I have. It's either. a good movie. It's not oh, a, you have. a masterpiece, but it's a, mm-hmm. it's a very good movie. Cool. And I know that when... Uh, Bob Dylan got his Kennedy Center honor. You, you can find this clip on YouTube as well. Gregory Peck uh, was, the one was the presenter. Delivered to him, which had that's uh, got to be amazing. You know? Yeah, and, and, he, and, he, and he referenced how, how much he liked Bob Dylan, and then all of a sudden he bought a Bob Dylan album and, and, and listened to a song called Brownville Girl, and there was Gregory Peck, nice and four, four times. Yeah, he 
you imagine that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. The only the other time I uh, remember reading about the Dylan and Gregory Peck cross paths, not to get off the song too far, but it was uh, there was a bunch of shows Dylan did where Beck was the opening act, which is wow, you know what a, huh. what a great bunch of shows those were. Yeah. And Gregory Peck came to one of the shows. And they said uh, he was there, like, in the third row, and apparently he didn't tell Dylan he was coming. And there wow. he was. And they said, you can see on stage, like, one of his band, Tony Garnier or something, pointing Gregory Peck out <laughs> to Dylan. And Bob just looks so delighted because it's wow. Gregory Peck, you know? No kidding. <laughs> it's like, you no know, kidding. amazing. But, uh, yeah, I mean, this, one of the things that I love about this song is that it, it opens up is that it's, it's talk sang. It's, yeah. it's not really singing. It's Bob just right. sort of talking. Yes. He, he goes between in between like like talking uh, narrating and then and then goes into to uh, to a uh, singing uh, um, style back and forth um, and which you know for some reason you it's you don't mind or even you even enjoy his cadence his his way of narrating a story or narrating a uh, narrating verse is great and so uh, when there's the the music and you expect him to sing and he comes out just narrating it's it's like wow this is really cool as opposed to some people who just can't get away with it and mm-hmm. not to not to you know uh, uh, you know well I, I don't want to say not to single him out because I am going to, about to single him out but I went to see uh, uh, Paul Simon once and he's he performed Kodachrome which is one of my favorite uh, solo Paul Simon songs mm-hmm. And the man just starts, you know, with bongo drums and then starts, like, doing this awkward spoken word raps uh, of Kodachrome. It's like, what in the hell are you doing, Paul? Um, it just didn't, to me, didn't didn't work, didn't didn't really, you know, flow. Uh, but but this, when it, it's just like when he did his uh, um, Nobel speech, uh, acceptance speech, Nobel Prize acceptance speech, and he had this music in the background and he just talked. And his styling and his cadence, it was just so cool. It's like you enjoyed listening to it. And it's the same same thing here. Absolutely. Um, something that I, I feel about this song is that it, it feels, and I, I hate to use this term because it's not the term I really want to get to, but like it feels like a, almost like a party song in that there you can kind of hear mm. – this atmosphere going on in the studio. Uh, I mean, for 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 all the heavy stuff that's going on in the song, Dylan's the way he sings it is very kind of light and kind of you can yeah. you should hear the delight in his voice as he's singing it. And um, you've got the Queens of Rhythm sort of wailing along. I feel like you can hear people in the studio almost kind of looking at each other like, boy, this thing's just going on and on and on. Isn't right, it? Like right. That kind of it has that. I mean, it's not like you hear other people. You know, it's not like um, Rainy Day Women number 12 and 35, where you can hear people right. in the background kind of making weird sounds and stuff. Mm-hmm. But it, this, this, to me, this has a kind of party feel to it of just everyone is just sort of, uh, you know, there's the blaring horns. And people are just kind of just going along with this massive uh-huh. epic that Dylan is telling. And so the, the song goes on a bit, and he says, uh, well, we drove that car all night to San Antonio. We slept near the Alamo. Your skin was so tender and soft. Way down in Mexico, you went out to find a doctor, and you never came back. I would have gone after you, but I didn't feel like my letting my head get blown off. Well, we're driving. Yeah, this what, ca- what does that mean? Who knows? What is, yeah. yeah, what does that mean? <laughs> well, we're driving this car, and the sun is coming up over the Rockies. And now here's my favorite line. Now, I know she ain't you, but she's here, and she's got that dark rhythm in her soul. Mm-hmm. But I'm too so we, we got somebody else now, yeah. Yeah, right, right. Now we're at somebody else. But I'm too over the edge, and I ain't in the mood anymore to remember the times when I was your only man. And she don't want to remind me. She knows this car would go out of control. And then we go into the chorus, which is Brownsville yeah. girl with her Brownsville curl, teeth like pearls, shining like the moon above. Brownsville girl, show me all around the world. 
Brownsville girl, you're my honey love. And so then you've got it. This is another one of these Dylan songs where it's a triad. It's it's mm-hmm. the, it's the man with someone else recalling a third person. And you've got visions of Johanna has that. I mean, the fourth mm-hmm. time around has that. There's a lot of this idea of a past love is haunting the narrator while he's with someone else. And he probably should be focusing more of his attention on the person that he's with. Uh, but he's not. And, right. you know, but, but that line about, but I know now I know she ain't you, but she's here <laughs> and she's got that dark rhythm in her soul. I love that dark rhythm in her soul. That is and, wonderful. And th- that's like, you know, one of about maybe what, gosh, eight, nine, ten, just great lines. That's, <laughs> that's what I love about this song is there are so many just really, really cool, just uh, really cool lines uh, that just stick with you. And I, who knows if it was Dylan that wrote that particular line or if it was uh, Sam Shepard that, uh, that inserted it in. But it's, it's just one after the other after the other. And then when you listen to it more and then maybe read the lyrics, you're like, dang, this is I mean, wow, 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 wow. Uh, in the, now, in, you, you read, I guess, the one, two, three, four, five, six verses. In those first six verses, I count uh, five different locales. The, 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 painted, the painted desert, San Antonio. He only calls it San Antonio, but San Antonio. The Alamo, if we can call that a locale, I guess. Um, way down in Mexico. And then the Rockies, if we can call the Rockies a locale. And so, and that's one. Uh, that's what I guess six out of nine that I, that I counted in, in the, the entire song, and, and they're all uh, sandwiched in in that first uh, in that first uh, segment. Yeah, I, I tried the first, you know, I don't know, hundred times I've listened to the song to keep track of the story, and then I was, just gave up. I was like, okay, yeah. this is so yeah. there's so there's so much detail and yet so little that I just can't. You know, you're just sort of getting snippets of this sort of you know, mosaic kind of, of, of Dylan's mm-hmm. painting this thing. I mean, you definitely get the, the images are wonderful and it's all these people kind of on the, on the border of places. And, uh, you know, you're, you're the, the whole, about the busted down Ford and your platform heels and, you know, you can right. and sleeping under the stars, you get all that. It's just, but it doesn't, it just doesn't, uh, you know, fit in any sort of narrative. So the, the, the song that the, the other song that this is most often compared to, of course, is probably Lily Rosemary and the Jack of Hearts, mm. which is much more easier to follow because you've just right. got less characters and it takes place in essentially just one location. But this has just got kind of a, it. It feels like the way Dylan sings it, which is this sort of just reminisce of just a mm. guy just sort of sitting back, probably in a in a saloon, of course drinking and he's just recalling all these things and you know he, he probably maybe he's even telling the story to a, a drinking partner and he's leaving out some details that right you know that that if you're trying to follow along you're like wait what what where are we now but it just doesn't matter because the way the song builds and builds and builds you're just sort of just taken away by the the rush of imagery Right, exactly. From verse one to verse six, here it just starts out with like an accordion, very, very, you know, stripped back. And then in verse two, the the uh, the backup singers come in, and then slowly but surely, verse after verse, then you get the horns, then you get you know an organ and whatnot. I love also, also by the way, the second verse where the the, uh, the backup singers come in uh, with a, you know, a beautiful major tone, you know, a backup almost like hum, and it was right on the words of, "Well, the marshal he beat that kid to a bloody pulp." Right. And it's, it's it's like that's that's where that's where this the the uh, the, uh, the, uh, the beautiful backups start coming in for 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 whatever reason it just it doesn't seem right but it seems so right you know <laughs> they seem and they seem to be kind of being in the song they're like a Greek chorus because at points yeah. they're literally responding to what Bob is saying there's one point where you hear them go like huh 
Oh, <laughs> like they literally are like, you know, like talking amongst themselves as the narrator uh, goes on. I mean, it's, so the next verse, he says, well, we crossed the panhandle that we hit it towards Amarillo. There you go. Another place. Mm-hmm. We pulled up where Henry Porter used to live. He owned a wrecking lot. He owned a wrecking lot outside of town about a mile. Ruby was in the backyard hanging clothes. She had her red hair tied back. He loves Bob loves talking about women with red hair. That's a big thing mm. for him. Tangled up in blue. Uh, you're going to make me lonesome when, when you go. There's a lot of red haired women in Bob's songs. She saw us coming up, rolling up on a trail of dust. She said, Henry ain't here, but you can come on in. He'll be back in a little while. Then she told us about how times were tough and about how she was thinking of bumming a ride back to where she started. But, you know, she changed the subject every time money came up. She said, welcome to the land of the living dead. You could tell she was so brokenhearted. And she said, even the swap meets around here are getting pretty corrupt. (laughs) That's one of my favorite lines right there. (laughs) I remember that line was singled out by Lou Reed. In an really? interview, yeah, in around 1985 or 86, Lou Reed did an interview with Rolling Stone, and somehow Dylan came up, and I guess uh, there was some question of, you know, well, Dylan's kind of putting out these sort of tossed-off albums right now, and Lou Reed said, well, maybe so, and then he quoted this line, and he goes, yeah, but any guy that can write this line, he's still got it, you know, so <laughs> Lou, cool. Lou was really impressed by that line. <laughs> That's really cool. So he goes on a bit. I can't help but just read all this song because the lyrics are just so amazing. He says, how far are y'all going? Ruby asked this with a sigh. We're going all the way till the wheels fall off and burn, till the sun peels the paint, till the seat covers fade, and the water moccasin dies. Ruby just smiled and said, ah, you know, some people just never learn. I would, I would bet money that that was a Sam Shepard verse right there. Now, why do you say that? Whether the sun peels off the paint and the paint, uh, the paint. I'm sorry. The sun peels the paint and the seat covers fade and the water moccasins die. That's just, that just, you know, in, in my head, that's a that's a Sam Shepard, okay. uh, 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 Southern Texas Mexican border uh, visual right there. Fool for um, love kind of uh, thing. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then after all that, now Bob then pops back out of the story. And he's back into the he's, narration part because mm-hmm. he says something about that movie, though. Well, I just can't get out of my head, but I can't remember why I was in it or what part I was supposed to play. And now, he, now he's not just in line for the movie. Now he's put himself in the movie. Yeah, he's in the movie, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All I remember about it was Gregory Peck and the way people moved. And a lot of them seemed to be looking my way. Mm. So, yeah, it's like, okay, all right. <laughs> and then we've got the chorus. Uh, and now he goes back into the story. He says, well, they were looking for somebody with a pompadour. I was crossing the street when shots rang out. And here's another amazing line. I didn't know whether to duck or to run, so I ran. <laughs> we got him in the corner in the churchyard. I heard somebody shout. Well, you saw my picture. You saw my pic- picture in the Corpus Christi. Corpus, this is hard to say. Corpus <laughs> Christi Tribune. Underneath it said a man with no alibi. You went out on a limb to testify for me. You said I was with you. Then I saw you break down in front of the judge and cry real tears. It was the best thing I ever saw anybody do. Yeah, I, I have about one, I guess what, maybe, gosh, seven or eight lines here that I've highlighted as being my favorite lines of the of the song, and that's that's one of them there. <laughs> and it's, again, you can just picture all of it. You know, yeah. you really can picture this, mm-hmm. this woman who is providing this alibi for this guy. So then he goes on, he says, now I've always been the kind of person who doesn't like to trespass, but sometimes you just find yourself over the line. Amazing line there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. and if there's an original thought out there, I could use it right now, which seems to be talk, Bob Dylan talking about himself, considering mm. how many covers he was cutting at this point. Huh. Uh, and he says, you know, I feel pretty good, but they ain't saying much. I could feel a whole lot better if you were just here by my side to show me how. Hmm. And he says, well, I'm standing in the line to see a movie starring Gregory Peck, but you know it's not the one that I had in mind. He's got a new one out now. I don't even know what it's about. 
but I'll see him in anything, so I'll stand in line. Right, right. <laughs> well, and, and it goes from from the first verse where he's talking about in very you know in very great detail about what kind of Gregory Peck movie he's he's going to see, and then the, by the second one. Uh, second mention of Gregory, Gregory Peck, uh, he's saying uh, something about the movie I just can't get out of my head. So we've still got a pretty clear memory about it. And then the third one, he's like, I, I don't know, but I'll, I love Gregory Peck. So I'll just stand in line. There's something wonderfully charming about Bob Dylan, who is so such an idol to so many, talking about another idol. Like yeah. there's something just so charming that he loves Gregory Peck and the idea that you know I'll see him in anything. <laughs> just got pe- right, right. I'm picturing Bob Dylan in line to see The Omen. You know. Oh gosh, <laughs> like, yeah. What is, I mean, what does that look like? You know, like right, sort of right. amazing. Uh, yeah. So it goes on. He says, "Well, it's, you know, it's funny, funny how things never turn out the way you had them planned." The only thing to be sure we knew for sure about Henry Porter is his name wasn't Henry Porter. If I if I could if I could stop you there for a second, so I I did do a little bit of digging, not not a great amount, but about this whole Henry Porter notion, and who the heck was Henry Porter? What the heck? Is, who the heck is he talking about here? The best I could find um, was, and you know, who knows the the, the, the truthfulness of this? I don't know. This is from uh, you know the the website Expecting Rain. Sure. Um, this was a post from 1996, November of 1996, on the message board there, and it was somebody who said that he just saw an episode of Rawhide. <laughs> uh, and and uh, I'll, you know, I'm just going to read it here. I'll just quote it verbatim. This is a guy who, who said his name was Carl Eric Anderson, posting on November 22nd, 1996. And he says, uh, apparently, uh, let's see, apparently he, that being the Henry Porter character, is an escaped convict who assumes another man's identity and befriends a girl. He ends up lying to Clint Eastwood and his friends when they find him, uh, and he trips up his story. Eventually, the girl gives the whole story away, and they confront quote-unquote Henry Porter, and prove that his name is not Henry Porter. And yes, that oh. is that ended up being the only thing they knew about uh, uh, for sure about the guy. So I looked on IMDb, and, and indeed there was an episode of Rawhide from June 3rd, 1960, titled Incident of the Silent Web, where there was a character named Henry Porter. So is that it? Who knows? But that's that's the, if, if there's a, 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 a another meaning, if he was, was referencing something, that's the best I could I could find. I am willing to lay cash money down that that's what he's referring to. Yeah. Because especially since a lot of the songs in this period, Empire Burlesque, which and Knocked Out Loaded, which are which overlap heavily, borrow from TV. There's a line. Yeah. Uh, in the song "Tight Connection to My Heart," which is taken from a Star Trek episode. Right. Uh, right, right. So right. I think Bob was just watching a lot of TV at this time up in the house in Malibu and burying <laughs> these lines in his brain. And he was just, so they're nice detective work, Stephen. That's <laughs> Thank you. really good, man. Jeez. And we, we know he loves I Love Lucy, right? So that's around the same era. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So oh, that's um, that's amazing. That's great. <laughs> um, so he goes on, he says, just like, you, just like you always said, there was something about me you liked that I left in the French Quarter. There you go, another place. Mm-hmm. Strange, how people have, strange how people who suffer together have stronger connections than people who are most content. Another amazing line. Yeah. I don't have any regrets. They can talk about me plenty when I'm gone. And, after, uh, and like like when you were talking about with the backup singers, right after that line there, they can talk about me plenty when they're gone. All the backup uh, line, uh, singers scream, oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and I can't I can't tell if that's like a a, a, a forceful like uh, confirmation. Oh yeah, or if there's like a question mark at the end, like oh yeah. Uh, but if you listen to it, you can you can hear it clearly. Oh god, yeah, I have to look at, listen to that again. So I'm sure I've heard. I can't think of it at the moment. But I'm sure I've heard it. Yeah. And then he moves on. He says, and here's another amazing line. You always said yeah. that people don't do what they believe in. They just do what's most convenient. Then they repent, which is 
yeah. pretty pretty true. And uh-huh. I always said, hang on to me, baby, and let's hope that the roof stays on. And that's when we hear the backup singer screaming yes. that, that almost like a, thing. Like, a, like almost a James Brown-esque yes, yes, screech. So. Yes. Yeah, I, I mentioned that I, I had highlighted my favorite lines throughout the uh, the text here. And I have the entire – that's the, the second to last verse. And I, that, I have that entire verse highlighted because it's just four lines, one just incredible word after the other. Yeah, unbelievable. And then he ends yeah. with uh, the song ends with the, the final original verse. He says, "There was a movie I see one time. I think I sat through it twice. I don't remember <laughs> who I was or where I was bound, which makes me think that's Bob on tour. Uh, right. All I, all I remember was it was Sir Gregory Peck. He wore a shun. He wore a gun, and he was shot in the back. Seems like a long time ago, long before the stars were torn down. And then he ends mm. up with another chorus, which is the stars were torn down. That has a you know some an apocalyptic air, but a lot of Dylan songs do. I always mm. sort of think of it as he's sort of lamenting the golden age of Hollywood. You right. Know, that's when right. the stars were torn down, the Cary Grants, the Gregory mm-hmm. Pecks, the you know the the James Deans. Uh, we don't have those kind of movie stars anymore because we're much more familiar with them. So this is just such an amazing piece of work and it's funny because one thing i had read was the reason that it didn't make it to empire burlesque was because he felt as though he knew brownsville girl was a good song mm-hmm. and he felt as though putting it on empire burlesque would make it a little too top heavy and that the rest of the songs would not you know hold up well in comparison and, and it just didn't fit in, in fairness it just didn't fit with the the, yeah. the production that uh, he and arthur breaker were going were going for with empire burlesque yeah, and I also don't totally buy that because, I mean, if he was worried about making that album too top-heavy, what's he doing putting it on Knocked Out Loaded? Because, I mean, well, really, the, yeah. o- the only song people anybody really remembers from Knocked Out Loaded is this song. Right, uh, right. I mean, this this song was put on his Greatest Hits compilation, Greatest Hits Volume 3, which came out in 1992. So even mm-hmm. though it was never a hit, it was never a single, uh, it, it, everyone knew from the beginning, oh, my God, this is a masterpiece. Now, Bob himself right. uh, has never performed it in concert, technically. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did it once in August 6th, 1986, which was right around when this album came out. And uh, it's four minutes of him just singing the chorus. Yeah, it's over very and over strange. Again. I don't know why like you would he would bother with that, but uh, there uh-huh. it is. Yeah, and uh, I, we should also note that in his most recent interview, uh, that he did that's posted on bobdylan.com with uh, Bill Flanagan. Bill Flanagan asks him, uh, uh, are there, you know, any songs of yours that think they did, you think that didn't get the, uh, the proper, uh, I don't know, uh, admiration that they should have. And he, one of them, he said, first one was in the garden, which was on the saved album. And the other one was Brownsville girl. Wow. He's right. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah, he's yeah. Right. This is, this is, this is a towering song. And again, for something that's 11 minutes long, it doesn't feel long. You know, mm-hmm. it doesn't feel like it's 11 minutes. Uh, there are other songs of Bob that are a little around the same length that I feel sometimes wear out their welcome a little. But this one, you're just so trying to keep up with what's going on. And he's just throwing so many great turns of phrases at you. You just never get bored at it. I mean, it's just. Right. And it should also be said that there is uh, only four chords in this in this song. And they are just repeated. There's no bridge. There's no uh, uh, um, key signature change. It just goes G, A minor, C, D. Those four in a row from beginning to end, and <laughs> and uh, and then yeah, and then from the, and then it just builds and builds and builds with each you know with each segment before the chorus, and then it goes back and then it starts you know sort of bare bones and builds and builds and builds, but it's the it's the same th- uh, four chords over and over, and it's almost like you don't notice because it's it's just so darn good and you're just so uh, sort of like trapped within the uh, in the story. 
People have uh, flirted for years about making uh, movies out of Dylan songs. Little, literally, Rosemary and the Jack of Hearts was apparently was considered. Hmm. It even got to the point where they had hired a, a director to sort of work on it. It never went anywhere. This, though, I mean, especially with Sam Shepard being involved in it in some capacity, I am. I don't want to say I'm amazed because movies are hard to get made. Despite the fact that they make yeah. thousands of movies every year, there are tens of thousands <laughs> that don't get made. But I am kind of amazed this never got put together by Sam Shepard or something. Just this In feels some like sort of, yeah. you could see his group of actors working on this and just shooting it somewhere down in New Mexico. And You, you can picture Harry Dean Stanton showing up huh. in this in some capacity. I mean, it, to me, it just it has so many visuals to it. And uh, yeah. it's, it, it, you know, I mean, we have, you know, I don't want to complain. It's not like it's, it's, it's incomplete, not being a movie, but it's, this is just so rich with, with detail that uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's sort of, I'm, I'm amazed that you know, no one's considered doing it over the over the decades since. Right, right, or that uh, you know Sam Shepard didn't turn this into some sort of short film or something like that, or or, yeah. or whatnot. But yeah, I mean the, the the visuals are just screaming at you off the page. Yeah, yeah. Bob loves placing himself in these sort of cowboy milieus where they're not cowboys exactly, but there's always threats of violence. Um, mm. And you're talking about the the, the wanted poster. I don't. I didn't feel like my head getting blown off. I mean, right. There's, there's a lot. There's a rolling train. There's lots of old timey imagery. So you're like, well, this could be taking place in 1985, but more likely it's probably, you know, 1925, maybe. Right. You know, mm-hmm. uh, where it's got that this kind of feel to it, and it's just, it, you again, you could just sort of imagine. And it, I mean, again, I I really like actually knocked out loaded. I can't vouch for it as an album. It really is just a loose collection of songs that Bob had right. laying around. And there's a couple of real clunkers on there. But there's a lot oh, of gosh, stuff. Yeah. I, there's a lot of stuff that I like. And and I said this is this is such a towering achievement that it sort of reminds people that yeah, even during his sort of dark times, the whole bit about. You know, if there's an original thought out there, I could use it right now. I could use it right now, right? Use it right now. Bob was still having lots of original thoughts. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, as, as was on full display here. Yeah, yeah. This, is, this is just an amazing, an amazing, amazing song. And so it's, I could see why Bob would never do it in concert because just trying to keep track of the lyrics would probably be... Oh, and the lyrics and then the full sound that he created in studio would be pretty hard to uh, to replicate on stage with his, what six person band or something right, like that. The he backup does, he does, singers, and right? He doesn't yeah. travel with backup singers or, or a horn section or anything like that. So, I can see why he's kind of and and, and it's a, you know it's a long song. It's eleven minutes, uh, uh, and I'm you know I'm a sucker for long songs, and I will fully you know admit that this song isn't probably not for everybody. You know, there I saw a lot of dissent on online when I was you know, I was, you know, I was looking around. Um, but uh, I love it. I, 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 I'm drawn to, to long songs. I think that's where artists like art will really sh- shine out. I, I told you before that I'm a big Springsteen fan. I love listening to Jungle Land. He has another song called New York City Serenade that are longer. That I think you get a real sense of what kind of artist uh, uh, he or she may be when they are able to put together a, a you know, in this, in this case, what you say, 20, 21, 22 verse song, 11 minutes, uh, and then just you know let it ride and, and see what the... See see what it uh, what it carries, um, but in, in this case, I think it carries a lot. Yeah, yeah. And it's a, there's a real playful tone to it, which I I enjoy. And and you know, Bob, of course, has gone back to writing these very long songs recently. Mm-hmm. I mean, Highlands is 17 minutes long. It's his longest song. Uh, that's on uh, Time Out of Mind. And then, of course, he did Tempest. Uh, right. which is very, very long. There's a great, I don't know if we'll ever get to Highlands, but there's a great story I read in a, in a magazine about where after he cut the 17-minute version of Highlands, hmm. uh, someone from the, from, someone from a, 
Sony Music slash Columbia Records, uh, I guess, tiptoed up to him and said, uh, is there a short version of that? And, and Bob smirked and said, that is the short version. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah. Good luck with that, buddy. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Like, what are you, you going to hope to cut a single of this? Or what are you talking right. about? I mean, just, yeah. Yeah. The, this is a very 80s production. Bob definitely leaned heavily into the 80s sound. And there were some, I mean, uh, you know, I've talked about on previous episodes that I don't like a lot of Empire Burlesque because mm-hmm. of the 80s production. To me, it, it really right. sinks this one. But to me, this one works. This, right. this has that. I I like the Queens of Rhythm. I haven't always been their, the biggest fans of theirs for, for some of these Dylan songs, but I I like this sound that they they get. I like the this is they have kind of a Greek chorus feel to it, and I I like their little asides as Bob yeah. is going on. I love I love that little huh oh mm-hmm. I, I, right. that, I just love that because uh, it's just it's Bob and he said you can sort of hear him having a good time. You know? Right, right. You can imagine him just you know, grinning while that was while that was happening. Yeah, it's, yeah. and that's fun to listen to. So this is, I, and he really was putting the, the musicians through their paces. I mean, to, to be able to, I mean, I don't know anything about music. I've said it on the show before, but to me, I'm like just to be able to play 11 straight minutes and not screw up. Right. That's right. amazing. You know, uh-huh. that's an amazing thing. It's a shame that uh, Sam Shepard and, and, and Bob didn't get to collaborate more. This was it, yeah, the yes, one and it. only. Yeah, it's their only, their yeah. only thing, unless so. there's unless there's some some deep track in the vault that we're unaware of or something. But uh, there's, yeah, there's only be. one on record. Yeah, yeah, you never know. So, but yeah, obviously Dylan and, and Shepard had a real mutual admiration society going on, and and yeah, uh, with with good you know good reasons. Sam Shepard was a brilliant guy, brilliant uh, you know. Uh, playwright and you could see why and he was attracted to dark themes especially ones involving hmm. uh, you know love and heartbreaking you could see why dylan would be attracted to that kind of stuff so I mean, yeah they, you could see really you could see why, why a song like this it was you know came out of uh, their their collaboration yeah that's just terrific so um so yeah and it you know actually said the, the gun regarding the gunfighter the, this song made me track the gunfighter down this was one of those hmm. ones when i worked at a video store we had it, and I remember like, oh, this is the movie. This is That's that the one, one from yeah. Knocked Out Loaded. And so hmm. it was sort of fun to watch the movie in that context and, and hmm. be like, oh, you know, you could just sort of imagining, oh, I could see young Bob Dylan watching this. You know, you like the right. moments about, you know, and it's, and it's got about a guy who can't live down his legend. And right. everybody, everybody wants to take him down, and he just wants to hmm. live his life. But everyone wants to keep challenging him because, you know, they they, they, they want to peg, take him down a peg. And it's like, well, I could certainly see Bob Dylan relating to that. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. So it's that it's that kind of thing. I mean, it's it. It's just the yeah. guy. The guy doesn't want this reputation. He just wants to go on and live his life. And it's a, that's yeah. a, something Dylan definitely was going through. And, and, um, 100%. Uh, you know, yeah. yeah. And it, there's an interview with him uh, from the 90, 97, right, when Time Out of Mind exploded. And he talks about that he had his years, as he put it, I think he said in the wilderness, which were like 92, 93, 94, 95. And he said, nobody was paying attention to me. And he said, once nobody pays attention to you, that's it. You're, you're free. And he said, re- regard that as this kind of like he could break from that and he could return uh, as Bob Dylan, which he did in 97, with time and mind, but he sort of came back as a different person now. I don't think he's living down that legend anymore. I think he's just right. he's just existing as this oracle who can mm-hmm. do whatever the hell he wants, whether it's Sinatra songs or whatever. And yeah. there just isn't that expectation anymore of like, you know, hey, I'm I want I'm coming to see you. I I better hear "Blown in the Wind," buddy. He's, right. He's past that. He's gone. Uh-huh. I don't think anybody expects that anymore. And it's he sort of lived long enough to to achieve 
his full like Dylanness. <laughs> right, like the sort of like the old legend sort of faded off, and now the new legend has emerged. And it's a I don't want to say completely different person, but it's 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 certainly different, and you can tell that he's doing. Uh, he's he's been able to craft this legend the way that he wants to do, yeah. I guess. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's it. That's it, absolutely. And I said, I think that's what he's probably getting at. So, uh, I think that's going to do it for Brownsville Girl. Unless there's anything else you want to say about it? Steve? No, sir. That's right. uh, I enjoyed uh, enjoyed talking to you again as always. I enjoyed. I, this was great. I I thought it was. Uh, I I thought about doing something involving Sam Shepard when I heard that he passed away, but I was like, well. And then when you talked about Brownsville, I thought it was perfect. We haven't talked about yeah, it yet. No. It's a great song, and it's a, I, a fitting tribute to, to Sam Shepard, who's a you know very wonderful uh, creative force in America. Yeah, absolutely love this song, and and yeah, for all your listeners, just go go listen to it again and again and again. It, it, it's one of those just just never gets old. You can listen to it on repeat. Yeah, it goes on. It just uh, so much to you can really uh, make sure you have a uh, suntan lotion on. You're going to get sunburned from that. That's, right. That's right. <laughs> Even though you're sleeping under the uh, the Alamo, your skin was so tender and soft. So uh, well, again, Stephen, thank you, thank you once again for for coming back on. I, I really enjoyed the first time you were on, and I'm glad to have you back. And uh, I look forward to having you on again. Well, thank you very much, Rob. It's always a pleasure. I, I enjoyed my first time. Enjoyed the second time, and and uh, we'll we'll talk to you again real soon. I hope. Absolutely. So, everyone, uh, of course, if you want to find back episodes of the show, visit our website, which is fireandwaterpodcast.com. You can join the conversation over on Twitter, which is at pod underscore Dylan. So, thanks, everyone, for listening. And uh, the next episode will be episode 50 of Pod Dylan. So, we're going to do something a little different for the 50th sort of anniversary episode of Pod Dylan. So, that will be coming in a couple of weeks. So, until then, uh, we will see you guys later. Bye. Well, we drove that car all night Until we got into San Antonio And we slept in the Alamo Your skin was so tender and soft Way down in Mexico You went out to find a doctor And you never came back I would have gone on after you But I didn't feel like letting my head get blown off Now I know she ain't you, but she's here and she's got that dark rhythm in her soul. But I'm too over the edge and I ain't in the mood anymore to remember the times when I was your only man. But she don't wanna remind me, she knows this car would go out of control.